What's up, guys? Good to be back. Good to have this podcast up and running. It has been an absolutely insane last couple of weeks. Uh, we've been working hard on this small business stuff, getting up and running and getting the laser tag software working and negotiating with real estate leasers and lawyers and just all sorts of crazy stuff that I'm sure you guys are deep into in your business. And hopefully it's just as exciting as for you as, for you as it is for me. Uh, we've, we've been getting some uh, people together and trying to get a little better understanding of exactly what we're going to do and what time frames we're going to be running out with, but I'm going to cover those things in different topics as we go forward in the future. Now, these last few weeks, we've been prepping and getting our business up to be that much more attractive to the lenders and to investors, but we also got a chance to put some t- stuff together to have some fun and we got a couple of cards up and operational with our laser tag software, and we just yesterday had an event called Day of Man where we get all of my friends together and we start showing them what we can do to, if if there was really no women in this world, what guys would do, the uh, lack of judgment and the... Uh, you know, the better voices that were that are there that probably keep us all alive, not being around. We disregard those for a day and uh, hopefully nobody dies from it. So uh, every year we have this once and this year, we, you know, we cooked out, uh, I think it was 14 pounds of bacon, uh, brought a keg in and we all got a chance to drink and race around carts, blow some stuff up with some Tannerite, shoot some guns, just just a really good time getting everybody together. But we got a chance to show people the the new technology we're coming out with with the cards and, re- and talk a little bit about what we're trying to do, which was really cool to see the excitement coming from it. Also got a chance to get a few people that were naysayers to be able to tell me exactly what was going to go wrong and what I need to be risked for, which you're going to have on any startup no matter what. You just got to take that stuff with a grain of salt and be prepared to bounce back from it. Now, I know it's been about a week and a half since the last podcast. I'm going to try to do one of these a week, but I want to make sure I have good content before I do them. And there's been a lot of different things that have been changing along the way as I've been getting us uh, established and getting us up and operational. Things are progressing faster than I could have ever imagined, and I'm realizing a couple different things that I'm glad that I can put this stuff on this podcast to be able to help some people understand how I went through it to maybe get a better understanding of how they need to. Now, again... This podcast is specifically oriented around the idea that I am starting this business up and I'm going to walk you through the process I go through. I'm going to talk about some of the failures that I have and some of the the successes I have, but honestly, you need to listen ahead and you need to do your due diligence and research before because I could be telling you something that's completely wrong here. All I'm doing is telling you what I had an experience with and the things that I use for those experiences so that when you're driving down the road or if you're sitting one late evening, you can throw on some earbuds or turn on the stereo and you can listen to this stuff and actually get an understanding of what might need to be done. Obviously, we're all small business developers. We're all entrepreneurs. You're going to end up Googling the crap out of a lot of this information anyways. Some of the information out there is really crappy. It's really poor and really honestly should just go in the garbage and it really misleads people. Kind of like the podcast, the podcast last week that I was talking about how many small businesses fail and how many of those really fail of how many people are actually putting in all their effort. So this week, I'm going to be talking a little bit about how I valued my startup. Um, now, this was something that I had a really hard time with because the startup was quite capital intensive. It was a lot more money than I'd ever dealt with and personally could afford. So I needed to get investors involved with it. So I had to learn how I was going to sell the parts of my company. Now, there's a lot of things that go into selling your com- the selling ownership of your company because those dividends can pay off a ton of money. And a little bit of money today can be worth a lot of money in the future. Now I'm gonna go through some examples on this and talk a little bit about what it looks like and make and help you understand why it's so important to try to keep as much ownership of your business as you can. 
Now, Valium Startup, there is a ton of different options. Researching online, there's like nine different ones that are generally accepted out there, depending on what type of business you have. If it's something that has a lot of uh, tangible assets or intellectual properties, those two things will be very different uh, with how they're valued. Now, with me, I did mine in kind of a unique way. I wanted to be able to get to figure out exactly how much I could pay my investors, and I wanted to be fair to them. But I also want to make sure I didn't give away the farm. So I picked and chose the investors I was going to have very cautiously at first. I gave the people that I wanted to have a part of my business first. Uh, I gave them first access, the choice to be able to say no first. Um, people like that were my internal family members, and I'm confident of my success enough that I know that it's not them giving me a hand by investing in me. It's me giving them the option of open, of getting their foot in the door in a very large thing that's going to be developed that's going to make them tons of money. So for them to not invest would actually be in their best, it would not be in their best interest. So I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for me. I can source this capital anywhere I need to to be able to get up this, the startup. Now I'm going to be working through the Small Business Administration to get a loan for the business up and running. You got to have 20% down to be able to get, and the Small Business Administration will finance the other 75%, or will will secure the other 75% of the business. So a bank really only has 5% risk into the business when they're uh, working with it. So uh, the, if you have that 20% down to be able to get up and running, really you're looking at six to seven and a half percent interest through a small business loan. It's gonna be the, most, the least expensive money you will get. You get investors in your business, it's gonna be some of the most ex expensive uh, money that you're gonna get long-term. That's why you want to be able to offer it to people who are very successful and who are going to help impact your business. If you offer it to people who don't have any input on your business, you're just paying more money for that capital today. So pick and choose your investors in the beginning as closely as possible because you want those people to be long-term with you. You want people that they're going to grow with you and help you make your business better, not just somebody who's willing to give you a dollar today for exchange for $5 next year. So... For me, here's kind of how I calculated. It was a little unorthodox. I combined a lot of different options of valuing a company to determine its value, to determine how much I was going to sell it for. Um, so what I ended up doing was I sat down and I figured out exactly what my startup costs were going to be. Now I wanted to get an idea of what my tangible assets were going to cost. So for me, it was my go karts, the barriers, the track, the the arcades. Those types of things were my tangible assets, things that are physical in nature and have a value that can be sold afterwards. Um, and then I also determined how much my research and development would cost. So for me, the way I looked at it was if I wanted to hire, go hire the best person in the world out there and say. Uh, as somebody who's a real uh, go-getter and say, I need you to figure out everything about this industry enough to be able to get it up and operational. That's a really difficult thing to do. That's asking for a lot of labor. Now, if I were to hire somebody that has five years experience in this industry, I'm probably going to pay them somewhere around eighty dollars to $120,000 a year for my industry. Now, if you're talking an IT thing, it could be even more than that. Uh, somebody who's a, a, a software engineer, maybe $120,000 to $160,000 a year or Somebody that's a marketing major, maybe uh, maybe they're fifty-five to seventy thousand dollars a year. I mean, there's all different levels of it, but whatever it would cost for what I did for this business to hire somebody to do that, I put that in the value of the company based on how long I did it. So for me, it took about two and a half good straight working years. So that'd be forty-five hours a week 
two and a half years. Now this, I did this over the course of about 15 years of doing this, but if we condense it down, we're looking, if I worked nonstop diligently, it'd be about two and a half years. So if I put myself, let's say at a salary at, let's say a hundred thousand dollars a year, just for easy numbers, two and a half years is $250,000 that goes into that startup cost that I need to contribute. I need to put into almost like a tangible asset. Because if I was buying this business as an investor to be able to get money out of it, I would need to pay somebody that to be able to get it to happen. Okay. So then beyond that, you have to start to figure out the management team that you have. Now, hopefully you've thought a little bit about who you want to put into your main management team. Usually these are going to be people that came across uh, in your lifetime that you've got a good relationship with that you know would work well with you. Not just your friends, not just your family, not just people that are going to fill a spot, but people that are just fantastic in what they do and making sure that they align well with their business. So for us, we need, for example, uh, like a maintenance supervisor, somebody who can oversee the carding operation that we're going to be doing and make sure that those things run perfect, flawless at all times and can train people to do it. Now, that individual is somebody that's very hard to find in this atmosphere. So I'm going to put the sourcing of what it's going to be to find somebody like that and get them through a hiring process and negotiate their salaries, things like that. I'm going to put that in there. Now there's some value to it. So let's just say that I need to hire a director of marketing for it. Okay. And I need somebody who knows marketing that knows this industry and understands the target audience that I'm trying to go after. That may cost $150,000 a year. If I was starting up a business and I had no clue who this person was, it may cost me $150,000 a year to hire a person on that's qualified for it. Now, if I, if I have somebody that I know, I've known them for 10 years, they believe in it, they see the future growth of the company, they see the opportunity, they may come on board at the beginning for $50,000 a year because they know what it can turn into long term. And you're going to need to make sure as a business owner that you provide more than that in the future. You need to make it so that they, you need to change their lives. You need to make them so insanely successful that when they show up at your place, you feel like you're not making enough money. That is the goal of that I have personally for my business and you should have as well for the people that surround you. So when you're looking at that, you got a $100,000 a year spread. This is what I'm talking about, that, that management, developing it, valuing it. So that $100,000, it would cost me $150,000 to hire him if he didn't know me, if he didn't believe in it, things like that. So I'm going to take that $100,000 and I'm going to put that towards my valuation of my startup because that is what it would cost somebody to hire that person on this startup. So there is value you're bringing of $100,000 of them believing in you and also getting them to agree to come on board with it. Just make sure that you're providing with them in the future more than that $100,000 that they would get if they went to another company. And when I say more, I mean drastically more. They need to be a partner with your business. Now, you also can also put some value into like the concept uniqueness. So, uh, Let's say, you know, that we're going to be incorporating laser tag into our go-karts. There's nothing like this out there in the industry. Now, this is probably going to influence something that's more of a multiplier on what your values were, uh, of your business is worth. And I'm going to talk about that here in a second. But once you have some of this stuff down, you need to really be able to move over towards a five-year valuation spreadsheet. So basically, you want to project out what your income and your expenses and all those things are going to be for five years. You're going to want to do this before you go to a bank for funding anyways. So you create a spreadsheet of a, of a projected income statement. Now to do this, 
you first have to be able to determine what the demand is going to be for your product. So find products that are similar out there or business models that are similar out there and try to get an understanding of what their business model is. So let's say I want to open up a clothing store for people who are, you know, uh, let's say 30 to 40 years old. And I'm going to go to a business that does something similar than that in a completely different market. I'm going to park out in front of that business on three different days, a Monday, a Friday, and a Saturday. Between that stuff, I'm going to get an idea of what the demand's going to be and I can average it out. So let's say on Monday they get 100 people in their door and on Saturday they get 1,000 people. You know, I'm going to be averaging these things out by how many hours a week I'm open. And I'm going to try to get an idea of what my customer count is going to be on average per hour for every day that I'm open. Once I got that, I know how much revenue is going to be in there based on what the average customer is going to spend. Now, for us, it's pretty simple. We know exactly how much a person is going to have to spend to come into our business. So we can build our operating statement based off of the minimum that a customer is going to purchase coming in the door. Any additional profit we get from there is then at that point going to be money in the bank for us. But we want to be able to make sure that we're giving a conservative estimate because we want to make sure all the effort we're putting into this and our investors' money is going to work out long-term. So if you can get an idea of how many customers you're going to have and how much they're going to spend, you have your projected revenue. You can set your price points for what you're going to sell things for, what your markup's going to be, so you have your gross margins and everything. Um, and it, that's going to help determine your next step. Once you have your cost of goods sold factored out of there, so let's say I sell a shirt for 10 bucks, it costs me five, my gross margin on that, or my gross dollar, or, profit on that is going to end up being five bucks. Then I got to take out my expenses beyond that. So my payroll, my utilities, my spaces, things like that are going to reduce my overall profitability. You need to estimate your expenses as close as possible. So figure out how much physical space you need for your business if you're doing a brick and mortar, and then you're going to figure out exactly how much that cost per square foot is. So uh, cost per square foot of a commercial real estate goes per year. So it may be something, if I'm looking at a mall location, it may be $17 a square foot. If I'm looking at a light commercial industrial location out in the middle of nowhere, it might be $3 a square foot. But if you know how many square feet you need, then you can multiply that out and you get an idea of what your rent's going to be. Uh, then you got to figure out what the salaries and the benefits are going to be. I spent a lot of time when I, before I was getting my business up and running was talking with a bunch of different business owners out there um, and in all different fields, people who started up their own companies from... Uh, 3D printing back in the 80s was one of the first one to um, some larger CEO, uh, CEOs and executives of uh, larger companies that um, I would I would try to do one a week and ask them at questions like, you know, what would you have done differently or uh, what made you successful? And, you know, those just simple things like that. And then just using the funnel approach, ask a bunch more questions beyond that. So. Uh, what would you do differently? They may say, I would have done this by myself and say, why was it that you that you say that? What is it that makes you made you not want to do it with somebody else? What made you choose that in the beginning? Um, and just keep asking questions based off that to gain an understanding. One of those things that was overwhelming every single person, every single business owner said is you need to pay yourself a salary. So you need to determine what that salary is going to be for yourself and then also your key staff and now your key staff is going to be your managers, your uh, your directors, people who are going to continue to drive the business, and then how many how much money you need to spend on counter staff and people that can continue operations. These are people that are going to probably have a, a decent amount of turnover. Um, so once you have all that stuff, you can determine what your net profits are. Now I talked a little bit about a multiplying factor, um, at, and I guess really real quick before I get into that. 
this kind of makes a little bit of sense is that a lot of people, uh, a lot of companies, when they go to sell, they reduce their expenses, um, they reduce their payroll, uh, they, they don't have a lot of depreciation. They want to make that bottom line profit really advantageous. And you're going to understand here with a multiplying factor as it comes out that there is a valuation for a company for it to sell is this multiplying factor uh, against your EBI, uh, EBIT. So it's everything before interest and taxes. So, um, what, the more profit you make before that stuff, the more you can sell your business for. So cutting those expenses while trying to maintain your revenue is a huge component. And expenses are just the sucker of a business. They will eat a business alive. Sales fixes all though. And you're going to hear that over and over throughout this podcast. So let's give a little bit example of this, this uh, EBIT calculation evaluation. So Let's say it costs me, it's going to cost me $2 million to get my startup going. That's that, you know, my management team, my personal investment of my time, my tangible assets, all those things. All right. Let's just say it's going to cost $2 million. I'm going to try to keep easy numbers here because I'm guessing you're probably driving or just chilling, hanging out, walking around or doing something that you're not writing down notes on this. So it cost me $2 million to get this up and operational. When I set up my company, it asked me how many preferred shares of stock I want to have and how many common shares. I decided to have 1 million shares of common of common shares that I could distribute or I could sell. So at a $2 million valuation startup, that means that, that those shares at that point are all worth 50 cents per share. So if I have an investor that comes to me and says, hey, I want to invest $250,000 at 50 cents a share, he's going to own 12.5% of my business. That might be right, that might not be, but here's some calculations to be able to figure this out. So let's say I did my five-year projected operating statement. At the end of the five years, I have $10 million in revenue for my location. And when I take out my cost of goods sold and my all my other expenses, those come to about $8 million, giving me a net profit of about $2 million for the business. Okay. Now, the EBIT is everything before interest and taxes. So I need to add back in the taxes on those sales and the interest I paid on any of my, like my loans. Let's say I take one from an SBA. So let's say uh, the taxes are $650,000 and I'm paying $600,000 in interest. That's probably way too much interest, but let's just say that for the sake of, int- uh, of the conversation. At that point, I have a $3.25 million EBIT. Now, the multiplier is anywhere between two and six times that. There's things that influence it up. There's things that influence it down. Now, when I, did my, this, when I was going through this calculation, I settled on 3.5%. Some of the things you need to take into consideration, though, to determine what your multiplier factor is, things like, do you have a unique product offering? Is there something that nobody else has out there? And is it proprietary? Do you have it licensed? Do you have a a, uh, patent on it? Those types of things can drastically increase your multiplying factor. Um, Some other things, things like uh, diverse customer base, you don't want to sell to only one type of customer because you never know. You could piss them off really quickly. An employee could put some posts uh, against some type of religion and maybe your number one customer is is a religious market. So uh, those types of things can really damage a, a, a business. So that makes them less desirable, therefore lowering that multiplying factor. Um, but a strong management team, uh, weak competitors in the market, uh, those are all things that can increase it. But you can also have the negative factors, the things that can decrease it, which is like that concentrated customer demographic um, or a declining market. market. Let's say I want to open a movie store right now, a, a physical movie. 
That's a very declining market. It's probably not going to last more than five to 10 years at this point. That's probably going to reduce my multiplying factor if I went to sell. Nobody's going to buy one of those businesses right now. Um, and then pending legal issues, government uh, taxes, things like that, uh, back taxes, those can all be detrimental to the multiplying factor of a business. Uh, but once you figure out what your multiplying factor is, that's really what's going to determine what your net, what your for sale value would be, let's say at five years. Um, now, you got to remember, your investors have a very high likelihood of losing all their money. Most small business investors are going to invest into 20 different businesses, hoping one is going to absolutely blow it up. The other 19, is they're probably going to lose their money on. It's a really high risk industry, but the one that they that does blow it up can make you a very rich person. So let's run through that metric, that, that one I was talking about earlier, the $2 million startup. So at five years, we've got $10 million of revenue and $8 million of expenses. Uh, once we put in our interest and taxes, we're at $3.25 million. So we have a multiplier of three and a half times. I'm just using the average of what's usually out there of two and a half to four and a half times. Okay. So 3.5 times 325, uh, $3.25 million gives us an $11,375,000 valuation at sale at five years. So if I invested and I own 12 and a half percent ownership of that business, when that business sells, it would end up netting me $1,421,875, assuming that there was nothing that had to be paid off or anything after the business was sold. But let's say that when it sold, it was all paid off. That was 100% profit. So $1.421 million is what that I would end up getting for having 12.5% share of ownership of the company that I only spent $250,000 for five years prior. That's a 470% return on my investment. Now, this is one of the businesses that would that did really well. This is one of this is what every small business investor is looking for. And that's why when they're looking at, we want to see what your financial projections are. We want to see how strong your management team is. They want to gain better understanding that this is what's going to happen. They want money. But realize that in five years, then you just paid 470% over that five years. Whereas if you get a small business loan for those dollar amounts, you're paying 7% annually. Now, 7% annually is going to be significantly less expensive, obviously. It's going to end up being 35% over those five years. So do I want to pay 35% on the sale of my business or 470%? Well, this is kind of where it boils down to how bad do you need that startup capital? You need, how bad do you need that 20% down to get a business up and operational? And how good is your credit that the Small Business Administration as, and a bank is actually going to say, we want to invest in you. We are confident you're going to succeed. So if you're not, if you don't have good credit, you don't have good background in this industry, you don't have a good business plan, you're probably not going to get that money. So those things provide a lot of value. And those were the things that went into the valuation of the startup capital. If I'm bringing a lot of things to the table off the bat in the beginning, my business is going to be worth a lot more for to an investor. So if I'm bringing a lot of those things to the, to, to the, to the business, they're not going to be able to buy it for less than 50 cents per share, let's say, on that example I had before. Now, you got to remember that these investors are going to want to they're, they're going to want to buy your business as cheap as possible. And you're going to want to sell it to them for the most as possible. I mean, that's what negotiation is. And that's fine. But it all is going to boil down to how bad do you want to sell the business versus how bad do they want to buy it. And once you kind of settle in that, that realm and understand that, 
it gives you a better chance to be able to negotiate it out there. So I may go to somebody and say, yeah, 50 cents a, a share, you know, this is how it's going to project out. If they can see those financial projections and can see the, a realistic likelihood of making uh, one point, almost $1.2 million in profit out of five years, yeah, they're going to invest in that. They're going to buy that I would, as long as they have a lot of confidence in you. Um, but they may also say, you know what, I don't really believe in this. This isn't a really good likely likelihood to happen. I see some issues with your business plan. I'll give you 40 cents per share. And I'd be willing to do $100,000 at that point, things like that. So you may want to push them harder at, uh, of, and leverage and negotiate. Well, if you're going to buy at 40 cents a share, I'm going to need you to buy $150,000 worth of shares just to make it work for what I need out there. Or uh, you may even restrict them and say, well, if you're going to do 40 cents a share, I'm only going to allow you to buy $25,000 of the shares. This is all negotiable stuff. The book of business, there is no written physical book of business that says this is exactly how you have to do something. If you want, you can sign a contract with somebody saying that every time I make a sale, I'll do a cartwheel for you. And that may bring value to them and make them happy. You can do whatever the hell you want. I mean, just whatever you agree with and you get some lawyers in there on how to draft it, as long as you agree with it and you guys abide by it, that's what's going to end up working really well. That's what's going to make you have a good relationship with investors so that when you're done with your seed round, you get up and operational. You might be a year or two later, you can go to them and say, hey, I want to expand further. It's going to cost you a little bit more to do this, but here's look at what we're looking to do. Here's what we've already done in the past. Now, the evaluation of the startup is all covered here. You really need to just, at the end of the day, be able to take a look and see, am I selling the components of my business for what they're worth? Now, I could go in there and I could ask for $4 a share, or let's, let's say I asked a dollar a share for that person wanted to invest $250,000. They were still going to walk away out of that of uh, at $1.171 million worth of, worth of business, or actually they would, do, they would be at half of that. So they would be at $600,000 five years later. There's nothing else out there that is going to give them that return, that, uh, other than maybe a casino, and the likelihood of getting that is even lower than a small, than a small business succeeding or failing. Um, so you've really got to be able to just sell this. And the more information you put down, the more investment you do in doing your homework of what are my expenses going to be? What is my income going to be? And if you can easily articulate that stuff to somebody, you're going to have people wanting to invest in you that you really don't want to offer it out there. You know, we quickly got with our business, we got to a point where people were offering to invest in our business and we were turning them away because we want to keep as much of that profit as possible. We know how successful we're going to be, but we laid a lot of groundwork. We put together a lot of really easy to read materials for people who aren't in our industry to, for them to understand that this is, that there's a lot of homework to this and there's a lot of confidence in the success of it. We were extremely conservative on our estimates for our startup and we were able to convey that. But I was also able to sell that conversation to people. Now, you really can't sell anything unless you have utmost confidence in it. It took me a massive, massive amount of time to be able to get to that level of confidence in this. I have zero experience in this industry I'm going into, formal experience. But the research and the people I've brought into this, this, this business makes it where I know it's going to be successful. And it's going to be more successful than I could even dream of. My operating statements that are projected out there are extremely conservative. But I know that even with those rate alone, I can change people's lives, people that come to work with me, people that are going to develop with this with me. I can give them a new life that they never thought possible. 
And that's my number one goal in my business. And as long as I have that goal marked in line, that's that's my focus, it's gonna be a successful business. A lot of people get really excited about the valuation of their company because in their head they are that's that's money in the bank and they get really excited about it and they may evaluate $250,000 company at $2.5 million. Well, you're going to lose all your investors right off the bat when you go to do that. You've got to be able to find what's it worth to sell. Pitch this to people you know. Find people that have money that do investments and ask them what they think about the business and what they think you should be asking for it. You know, there's an old saying of ask for money, you get advice. Ask for advice, you get paid twice. You can go to people looking specifically to get paid off of asking them for advice if you want. But honestly, find people that you need to get that advice from. Ask questions. Those people that you genuinely can get advice from are probably going to end up wanting to invest or see you succeed. We have had a massive amount of success with people that are excited to see our enthusiasm and our creativity. They are giving us free information, free support, free documents, giving us all sorts of direction on how to make sure our business is successful. And we are extremely receptive to all these, even when they're different industries. We may have somebody tell us something that makes absolutely no sense, that we know that they just don't understand what we're doing. But we're still going to go ask that question and see, is this a reasonable statement? Is this a possible thing that we're going to run into? Or is this a challenge that we're going to have? Or is this an opportunity? And as long as we're researching every one of those and keeping an open mind, our business is going to stay successful. You have to be able to make changes when necessary and also identify that you don't know everything. So build your valuation of your business and be be conservative with it to enough to be where you can be perceived as reasonable. It's easy for us to get excited about our business and get excited about our projections, but you got to remember that we're the only ones that have that excitement. The people, us and the people on our team are the only people that have that excitement. Everybody looking to invest wants to tell you how it's going to fail because that's what they're worried about, that losing all their money. Now, you also are the most excited for this. You may have hired in people on your team that are insanely excited for it, but when it comes down to it, if you've got to work 48 hours straight with no sleep to get it done, you're going to do that. If you can't do that, get the hell out of here. You're not going to be able to succeed in the business. You have to have a tenacious work ethic. But excitement makes that easy. It's like just doing things at that point. It's like having fun. So it's really easy to have fun for 48 hours straight. So you're excited for it. You want to be able to value how much is this business going to be worth. And it's really hard to be reasonable, especially when you start looking at the possibility of paying out 470 times what they give you. It makes it really hard. But you got to remember, there's a massive amount of risk. Put yourself in that investor's shoes. If you knew you, if you knew, let, let's say that investor specifically, would you give them that same amount of money and say, go kick ass for me with the chance of losing it all? It's an extremely high risk gamble and you should be appreciative of every single person that's willing to take it with you. So hopefully going through this, it gave you a better understanding of how you can kind of get a core base of uh, valuation to be able to get your startup capital. Again, I would highly suggest work with the Small Business Administration. There's a massive amount of documentation you need to be able to get that going, but uh, there's some great banks out there that can work with you on it. Um, but try to keep that to be your main point of financing. Use the other investors to pay the down payment you need, the, the deposit. So 
Uh, you know what? What I'm being told is you need 20% down. I'm going to get investors to pay for 20%. Anything beyond that, I want to get it through a banking institution and especially small business administration because for a startup company, six to seven and a half percent interest that's that's pretty attractive. Uh, a lot of online sources. Uh, if you want to get some investors from online, which they're out there, pretty much anybody can get finance for a startup business. But you may be 100 to 150 percent interest to make it work, which. I mean, if we look at these investors, you know, 4.7 times or 470% return on investing over five years, that's almost 100% per year. So really you're paying 100% interest on everything at that point. Actually at 12.5% ownership of the company and $2 million profit, like the example we used before, if they got 12.5% of profit every year, that's $250,000 a year that they would get paid out in dividends, which is exactly what they invested. So it is 100% uh, interest per year. So hopefully this helped you out, guys. I'm going to keep going. We got a bunch more topics that we're going to cover. Things are getting crazy out there. It's extremely exciting. I hope you're half as excited for your startup as I am. Um, looking forward to having some more podcasts here in the future. You guys have a great day. Thanks for listening.